You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, Oniro Trello. You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Welcome, welcome everyone to another edition of Gate 7 International. I'm your host, Adi, joined here by G7i blogger Dimo George. Dimo, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Adi. Yeah, it's uh, look, we're happy that Greece won. It wasn't the prettiest of games, but a win's a win. Three points were desperately needed, especially since Sweden beat Kosovo 3 nothing. We definitely needed those points. Uh, we're going to get into all of that into just a moment. Just some quick housekeeping, uh, guys. Libyakos DC won, uh, not this weekend, of course, last weekend, uh, one nothing against uh, Maryland United. They are well on their way to yet another playoff spot in UPSL. Uh, check out the highlight reel that was posted earlier this morning. They've got some some very talented players, some players that we hopefully will be seeing in the future on a certain training ground of a certain club that we all love. Um, if you haven't done so already, check out your local AHEPA chapters. AHEPA is getting moving again. The Supreme Convention is over and chapters are mobilizing to do things to help the motherland and also local Greek businesses. So you should go check it out, meet some Greeks and do what you can to help Greeks and the motherland. Lastly, thank you to our sponsor, Price International. Price International is your one-stop shop for all of your international transshipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil packages, cars, or relocating completely, Price International is here to help. Just give our friends a call at 410-675-4696 or send an email to sales at piraeusintl.com. Already have some comments rolling in. George Kefalas, another crap performance by a team that makes you want to vomit. <laughs> Before we get into that, guys, <laughs> if you haven't done so already, go ahead, like, and subscribe. Get your friends to do so as well. We are assembling a massive community here. Um, I did a pregame show on Twitter Spaces with uh, Super Greek. That was a lot of fun. We got a lot of turnout. It was nice to talk to a lot of you guys. Um, get everyone's feelings. Everyone was really nervous going into this game, understandably, especially with what we saw. So please like, subscribe, get your friends to do so as well. And we can expand the community and get more people involved on these conversations. So let's just get started. Uh, Dimo, I think it's pretty safe to say that this was an ugly performance, right? It was not a great performance, but we got the win, right? In normal cases, right? If the team was playing well consistently, we would say this is a professional win. Sometimes games yep. are ugly. Sometimes they don't work out how you expect. And sometimes you have to grind it out. But when the team doesn't play well and these wins, these types of things are the norm, is it is it a professional win or are we squeaking by on our team? What were your thoughts? Give me your thoughts first of the game today. Um, It was... Yeah, it was a lot. Um, I was kind of pretty much on the same page with you. Like, the fact is, it's good that we stole the game in the dying minutes with uh, a handball that 
on either side, I probably would have been like, I was glad that it was given for us, but if we were on the receiving end of it, I'd have been pretty pissed off about it considering he's just going up for a header. And even if he doesn't hit that with his arm, it's hitting him in the head and he's probably blocking it either way. So that's kind of that area of VAR that people, I, it gives credence to people who are anti VAR, but it was, I was glad to see the kind of a shift in the formation. I'm glad that we're not just keep hammering away the square peg into the round hole of Bacasetas at the 10, but and he looked better, but at the end of the day, our attack just lacks teeth. Like, this isn't a world beater side. This isn't like Stonewall defense Sweden. This isn't um, elite Spain that's going to the Nations League final that ended Italy's uh, un- three-year unbeaten run. It's Georgia. It's not, a, it's not a team full of household names, and yet we can't seem to figure out how to consistently threaten and that was pretty much my take of the game there was a lot more times where I felt Georgia was threatening and it was scaring me whereas I didn't feel like we were on the cusp of scoring very often if that makes sense no I think I think you're absolutely right there and uh you know more to your point you actually had written a blog yesterday that was about some of the data that was posted I had posted that uh earlier in the week about how it's not that we don't make chances, we do, but the quality of our chances is bad because we yep. hear time and time and time again, oh, people people come, they, they play for Greece, and uh, when they put that jersey on, they just can't score. So, you know, some of that in a way is true, right? Because you have, uh, like, Pavlidis for some reason just can't ever seem to finish correctly. Yakumakis also has had his issues when he played for us in the past. But at the same time, I find it hard to believe that it's a coincidence that we can't score and that we have, and everybody that does or everybody that plays in a striker position has trouble scoring as well. And the fact of the matter is we don't create a lot of dangerous opportunities. Take today, for example. All right. Besides what happened in the end, the penalty, notwithstanding, uh, and by the way, when the, when they announced the VAR for the penalty, I didn't even realize it was an issue. I'll be honest yeah. with you. When the, None play of the happened, players did. Right. I they, they called it back. I'm like, what? That was a thing? Yeah. I didn't even, I did I couldn't even tell. So we got bailed out a little bit by that, I think it's fair to say. Now, you know, you got credit where it's due. You do need your penalty takers to to actually score, right? We've great seen penalty. players. It was a great penalty, you know. Uh, we've seen Belkas for his clubs miss penalties. So you do need to finish those cuz had he not scored that, we probably end the game 0-0. And then of course, Belkas gets that cute chip at the end. Nice to just seal the deal. But Reflection, that game was ugly. That game yeah. was ugly. Aside from the the shot where the keeper blocked it and he was over the line. That should have been a goal. Uh, aside from that, most of our chances were outside of the box. Guys, that's not quality chances. Bacasetas having to rip. Bacasetas or Masuras or Pavlidis. Yeah having to rip 22, 25-meter chances. Those aren't good chances. If you look at the mm-hmm. XG, it's very low. There's a reason why when Arsenal scored chances like that against Olympiacos, all the chances combined amounted to like .06, something like that. It was very low. You don't score those very often. And if we're going to rely on those opportunities to get points and to progress, we're not going to see that consistency. And therein lies the problem there. 
Now, there were a couple of questionable – we have to say there were some questionable decisions by that referee. Again, I'm not blaming – I'm not blaming the referee for the result because, look, he had some really bad decisions, but uh, I don't blame him in any way for our struggles. Uh, But we have to say, I mean, come on, some of that was poor. The fact that we were fouled – we had some really crunching tackles against us in the first few minutes of the game, but then Siopis gets the first yellow card? What the he- what the hell was that, man? That was disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, obviously, this guy wasn't a world beater ref, but it's it's not the Champions League final, it's not the World Cup final. We're not going to get the greatest refs during European qualifying matches. But the real issue is, if you're doing all the right things and you're dominating a team, the ref can only have so much of an influence on the game, and. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the ref, I think, helped us. Like, the ref was it played a factor in the positive result. It wasn't, it wasn't that the referee, like, oh, we were dominating. We were getting all these opportunities. It wasn't like a 2002 Italy versus South Korea where this, the, it was just blatant the ref was sabotaging the game. It wasn't that. The ref might not have been perfect, but at the end of the day, that – VAR might have taken a, a what almost could have been a goal going the other way, but it was over the line, so it's not a goal. But he ended up giving a PK that I don't think was the most clear-cut, strongest PK, although, yeah, his arm's up and it block, the arm was what blocked it. But I don't think that that's the, the – I don't think overall the ref hurt us and stopped us. If anything, he helped us. Or if anything, he had little effect on how that game plays out. But I would say he helped. So I I don't see how ethnic E fans can complain about this ref all that much in this result. Well, with the with the VAR result that was given, I see what you're saying. But some would say that was justice for the lack of a goal that was given earlier on. Could be. And then the lack of a red card on the two-footed challenge on Bacasetas. Yeah which resulted in, by the way, this was rich for me too. He gives Savelas a yellow card before he gives a card to the offender. First of all, okay, yeah. look, I, I understand like as a ref, sometimes when players get in your face, you have to assert your authority. That's not lost on me. And Savelas, we all know, is the guy that's going to do that for Greece. But that challenge was disgusting. And guys, if you check in the, in the rule book, the FIFA rule book, if studs are up, and it's a two-footed challenge, I don't care if it's a high challenge or low challenge. It is a red card. That is what it says. So that should have been a red card. That is the yeah, rule. Both studs were what, up, and it was dangerous, and he didn't. He got yep. the man first, not the ball. It's, that, that's, that was like a violent challenge. Now, where does this comment from Fetanos come in? Stafilidis masterclass against Sweden incoming? Because Savelas got himself a yellow card, he was already on one, which means he will be missing the game against Sweden. And we are all expecting to see Staffy Levis take his place. I'm worried if that's the case. We're probably going to, if Staffy Levis is playing, we're probably losing this game. Uh, quick comment here. It uh, looks like a question from Emmanuel. Guys, I live in Brazil and I never understood exactly why Manola, Socrates, Samaris didn't play for the national team anymore. Can you explain? Uh, Emmanuel, I will give you the very brief answer because this is something we have ranted about a lot in the past. And we can't. We're not going to devote too much ener- more of our energy towards because our opinions are clear. But basically, what happened was JVS came in and pretty much 
was told to nix certain players from the lineup. And those included the likes of Manola, Socrates, and Siovas. Um, he claimed that he never closed the door, but he did. And everything we've heard from the players has been to the opposite of what JVS has said. JVS acts differently behind closed doors than he than his persona does in uh, the press. And it's something that a lot of people have publicly come after him for uh, because he's done stuff like that against Fortunis as well. Uh, Samaris, I don't think you want Samaris on the national team. He hasn't <laughs> been playing first team football for a while. He hasn't been playing too well. But the likes of Socrates, Manolas, and Siovas, that's been the case. Um, but going back, going back to the game, uh, it was very interesting because in the beginning, uh, we looked like we were pressing high. And I was like, great, this is cool. We're going to be pressing high against Georgia. We should be. We're better than they are. We should be pressing high and getting them to make mistakes. But that only lasted for a couple minutes. Then we were kind of happy to just hang out. Um, they weren't pressing us either. Uh, the movement in the middle of our park was non-existent. People would have the ball and nobody was opening up for them. Um, that really concerned me a lot. And it wasn't just, you know, we're not just talking about Bukalakis or Siopis or Bacasetas. The movement in general was bad. And we would see that the press would come back 30 in the 30th minute. It, the press started to come back 40th minute, 64th minute. It was just like we would press randomly. There didn't seem to be a coordinated effort with the press. And even when we were pressing, it was mainly the, the, the two, the two strikers playing up top, whether it was Masuras or Pavlidis or Masuras and, um, uh, and Pelkas. Uh, or even Jolis, uh, when he came on, there were there were different, uh, like mainly the people that were sitting up front. They were the ones that were that were pressing. It wasn't really the team coordinating as a press together. So it just it's just interesting to me because it's something we've talked about this team playing more more open with a higher press. But I don't see I don't see a high a coordinated high press when this team plays. And if I don't see it against a team like Georgia then it, I don't believe that we actually have one. Yeah. I mean, and the thing that I think part of the concern is the JVS era, we've kind of associated with a 4-2-3-1. So, I mean, we've gone on and on about how wrong it is to play Bacasetas in a 4-2-3-1 over actual center attacking mids like Belkas, Mandalos, and of course Fortunis. But the issue is when they've, now that there's been this kind of a shift, it's not like a club team has day in and day out, week in and week out, months of training and stuff to get a formation and a pressing tactic kind of under control so that everyone's on the same page of when we're going to press, how we're going to press, what's our shape going to do. Like it was a pretty intricate formation that kind of attacking we were three, five, two with uh, Simika and, uh, why is this why am I uh Andruzos getting up the, the the flanks and then in defense Andruzos kind of stayed up as a right winger and then we kind of shifted to a 4-2-3-1 it's a very complex intricate formation which I like the the change of pace but the problem is on the defensive end because it's new because it's more complex and because it's a national team I don't think that they have the proper training to appropriately implement a team pressing scheme when there's only two weeks at a time that they're all together training and trying to figure out how to play a, a new style and a new formation. That's fair. So, and also when they're running three center backs. 
against yeah, Georgia. That too. Um, the Ed, that's another thing that got me. Look, uh, you, you mentioned that a lot of people were were actually kind of happy that to see a, a formation adjustment because four two three one wasn't working with the the horses, so to speak, that he was choosing. But then we, we get into this game. The first half happens. It's ugly. You know, we're playing the three four three, and then at halftime, a change is made. Uh, we see Belkas coming on, which people got excited for. Like, okay, great. Belkas is coming on. He's a guy that can take players on one-on-one pretty well. Uh, great. But then we see he's taking off Pavlidis. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying I don't think Pavlidis is the striker this national team needs. I'm going to be honest with you. It took him way too long to grow into this game. He made some really bad decisions, had some really poor plays early on, and it took him a good 25 minutes to get into this game. Too long. But he finally gets in, and the last we can say the last 10, 15, even 20 minutes, he was finally doing something, linking up, getting opportunities. But he gets subbed off at halftime. Now, I'm not... I'm not going to say that he was amazing, but it was curious to me that Georgia, who ended up only getting three total opportunities, two two meager looks on target, we took off an attacker and replaced him with a different type of attacker instead of taking off one of our three center backs and adding an offensive presence. Especially Mm -hmm. when in the first half, like, what was Hadzi Viakos doing? Like, not I'm not saying he was playing bad, by the way, but he didn't have much action. It was primarily yeah. Tavelas Pavropanos. And Hadzi Viakos was there as like a, a safety to maybe to watch the counter, but I thought he was more or less redundant. And we were all surprised because I don't think anyone expected us to go with, uh, well, before the reports came out, a back three. I think we were expecting a back four against Georgia because of the caliber of the team. But we went with the back three, took away an extra extra presence from the offense or the midfield. And at halftime, when I thought we should have been going for the throat, we left him on there and SWAT almost did not really a like for like swap, but we just swapped a different type of offensive player for another. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would always play a guy like Pavlidis further up the pitch than a Balkas. Like, Belkas isn't going to play with his back to goal. He's not going to be that number nine, that outlet, whereas Pavlidis, though he might not be the best guy for it, at least he can play that way or he's built to play that way better. So I didn't really understand that substitution. And, yeah, I mean, I get the idea of the 3-5-2, kind of 4-3-3 hybrid when Andrutus is given basically free license to bomb forward, then Kadziakos kind of fills in as, like, the de facto right back center back. But like you said, it, the way we were playing this, it was like, it was very conservative, which makes me now kind of think maybe he was using this as like almost like a friendly to get ready for Sweden, which if that's the case, okay. But at the same time, we weren't playing in a way that guaranteed we could prep for the Sweden game. We had to get the job done against Georgia. If we don't win that game, Sweden doesn't matter. Right. So I don't understand why that those were the decisions being made. And that was the substitution made when you could see that we're the, the, the trouble wasn't, we were really getting threatened, even though every time they moved into the final third, I was very uncomfortable because 
kind of like the I mean the comment we saw earlier from the guy in Brazil. If Socrates and Manola were back there, or Siovas, if they were back there, then I would be more confident getting bodies forward, keeping numbers up, setting up a higher press, and not having to worry, oh, if they get a counterattack, what's going to happen? So it's a lot of compromises being made across the starting 11 that seems like there'd be simple solutions that JVS is either forced to or simply refuses to to make. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And aside from the the halftime sub, the fact that it took him 80 minutes before he brought Zolis on was absurd. And, He's and a creator. There's a there's an important comment here which I want to touch on. I I saved it because we were getting there. From Nick Galafakis. Nick was also in that earlier spaces with uh, with Super Greek. Uh, good to hear from you again, Nick. Uh, Zolis has to, has to start Tuesday. If it wasn't for him forcing the mistake from the Georgian defender, we wouldn't get the second goal. And that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I mean, the we brought this up in the spaces. There are two players that are ahead of Bukalakis right now when it comes to. Uh, create the creation of opportunities, scoring opportunities, whether it's things like key passes, smart passes, right? There's only a couple of players that have more volume than Bukalakis. Uh, and that's Fortunis, who is not available, and Solis on a per 90-minute basis. So it's really interesting to me that you can leave Solis out. Now, I'm not saying that we have to put our hopes on him, especially a very young player, and say, oh, this has got to be the guy we go with. No, I think that comes in a couple years, but you still play him. Now, the yeah. people that are concerned more about form say maybe, you know what, Nor he hasn't been playing very well at Norwich, which I think is debatable. I think he's been playing pretty good. Uh, and maybe that's why you don't start him. I don't know. But I rate him above Pavlidis. I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of people that think Pavlidis is a fantastic holdup player. And I know I've said that also in the past, that that's what his strength is and probably what he brings to this team. But I'm not convinced by what Bavlidis has done since watching him for what? It's been over, it's been a year and a half now. I'm not convinced by Bavlidis. I am not. And he is not the striker that this national team needs. Now, Duvikas was sick, so he was not available. And that hurts. That hurts the selection. Uh, yeah. So then you're forced to go with Bavlidis, but... You then have Pavlidis playing like as a wide inside forward, which we've seen it done before, but he's not super effective. I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, and I'm not a super fan of Pavlidis playing there. So there, that was just another one of those weird situations. And another weird situation was uh, with Siopis. You know, Siopis was making a lot of boneheaded decisions today. And you bring him off, you bring Madalos on. Okay, maybe a more offensive player. I'm all right with that. But, uh, and I know a lot of people are calling for Alexandropoulos, a young kid that has barely featured as it is. He's not just going to throw him on when we need points. No, no coach I know is going to do that. Take risks out like that and throw somebody think out on a flyer. But Siopis, I think had for me, one of his worst performances for the ethnic key. And I'm not necessarily, it was saying it was a bad performance because he has a lot of energy, but I saw a lot of him putting his hands on people, a lot of, holding the ball too long, especially in the first half, losing the ball because he held it too long, a couple of bad passes, which that's not just him. There were a lot. I think almost every player on the pitch had at least one really, really 
poor or stupid decision when making a pass. Even our defenders, like Mavro Bonos had a scary one. Bukalakis had a scary one. I mean, everybody had one. Bacasetas had a really bad one too, but then of course he goes down for, he goes down like he was injured. He's fair a gamer. Play to, fair play, fair play to him for that. But yeah, I mean, Siopis had um, one of those, one of those games. He was getting beat through the midfield. That, that kid, they had two guys that were on that left side, number 18 and their, uh, and I think it was their right back even. Uh, I'm forgetting their names. These George, the the names for the Georgian players are were are somewhat tight for me. Kakabadza, I think his name is, and then um, uh, uh, the Those guys were just like dribbling through the middle. Yeah, they I, kept they kept weaving through us. And, and I, that's, I, I got, that's what scared I said me. It, yeah, I said it in the group chat too. I was like, guys, don't you love seeing one Georgian player just go through our entire midfield? Like Bakasetas, then around Bukhalakis, around Siopis, and we have to draw. Like it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy to see that. But uh, um, uh, that that's his name. Uh, Kvarachkelia, the young kid, number 18. Yeah, that kid was, he was scrappy, giving Andrutas fit. Yeah, well, that's a, a different story for another time. But Going back to going back to those substitutions, yeah, it took too long to make the Soli substitution, in my opinion, and I wasn't really a huge fan of the substitution at halftime. Uh, but look, I guess in the end, you know, in the end, we get the 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 two nothing. You know, Bacasetas gets the penalty. Uh, for those of you that were listening, if you did your parlay and you picked, you did what I told you, which was pick Bacasetas to score. I hope you made money. Somebody, somebody in the spaces said they did put money on a Bacasetas goal. Uh, please, please, please screenshot that and send it to us. Tag us in it. You definitely made money. Um, if I don't know what the rest of the the parlays were, but most people were doing that one nothing Bacasetas. So I found that to be freaking hilarious. Um, anyway, Vimo, there is also another problem with this team. So we get the win today, right? And we briefly brought this up before. Um, but so we have the win. We're three points. We're sitting three points behind Sweden. They're at 12 now because of the win against Kosovo, which we expected. And we're at nine. Even if we beat Sweden, we would have to beat them by four goals to match them on goal differential. Exactly. We have to beat them by four goals to match them on goal differential. Then we then have to keep pace with them in points for the rest of the knockout or for the rest of the, the group stage, which means we have to beat Spain. Cause I was going to say, we're playing Spain we, again, right? Exactly. We're going to have to play Spain again. And then we also will be playing um, Kosovo one more time. So we have to get two wins, and we already don't really beat Kosovo as it is. And we have to beat Spain because Sweden is not dropping points. I don't see Sweden dropping points. So not only do we have to beat them, but we also have to then win our next two games by big margins to make up the difference because, guys, it's not head-to-head that determines who gets out of here. The first thing is goal differential. Then it's head-to-head. So even if we beat Sweden, I am not confident that, that we're going to qualify out of here. Why, why shouldn't you be confident? I mean, Spain's out of form. They're not doing anything great right now in the, in the Nations League or anything like that. They're 
come on, they're 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 nothing. And then we just saw against Georgia, we can produce goals left and right and center anytime we want. So that goal differential thing is going to be no problem. JVS has it all under control. It's all going to be great. We're good to go. You actually did bring up a good point, though. I forgot to mention Spain has played six games already. So um, if we if we do manage to beat Sweden tomorrow, uh, Spain will be 13 points. Sweden will be in second with 12, depending on how much we beat them by if we do. And we will also have 12. So then there comes a chance that, hey, maybe maybe Spain can drop points somewhere. Hopefully they phone it in and bring in their U21s. But their U21s beat the crap out of another national team at one point when the whole Spanish team had COVID. The U21s are no slouch either. (laughs) And against the senior team, we we didn't complete a pass in their half until the 37th minute of that game. Yep. For 37 minutes, we never com- we never got into their half to complete a pass. And our only opportunity was the penalty. Yes, trust me. Which we had nothing to do with. Masuda's yes. pressured, and the, the center back took a bad touch, and the guy slides and clears it, and then clips Masuda's on the way out. Masuda's never touched the ball. We never had possession. And that's how we get the result, because Morata was, was a choke artist. Yep. Like, and- we can't... And that's Spain we're talking about. Like, it... Yep. How do we expect to, to to play against and produce four goals or bite into our goal differential gap against a team like Sweden who are known for having a very staunch defense and then they hit you on the counter when we can't produce goals against Georgia? Yep. Like, it, yeah, this, this isn't sustainable. This is not sustainable. We're, we're, we're consistently. I think that's what I wrote about that. The fact that we're yep. just, we're consistently defying the odds for better or for worse. We defied the odds getting the win against Sweden. We defied the odds getting the draw against Spain. But then on paper, we should be pounding Kosovo, pounding Georgia at least two, three goals and yep. outplaying them because we've seen this team play attractive football. It, we should be able to play attractive football against these sides and produce. But too often we're putting square pegs into round holes. We're uh, f- insisting on playing certain guys in certain positions when the game script or the, the opposition calls for something else. And we're leaving people at home that uh, are far, far better than what we've currently got. So I don't know. I don't know yeah. how, I don't know how we get to a world cup. And then even if we get to a world cup, what are we going to do against all the other teams that actually managed to qualify and play probably decent football? We saw the last World Cup. The Minnows were going at the Giants. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's this comment is uh, right on there with that. Toot de la Toot says, we were shit again today, but lucky. I don't want to go to the Mundial like this. Yeah, I mean, although I will say that this team does have the tendency to show up against bigger teams. Maybe maybe we see something better if we do make it to that stage, but we have to get there first. And then there's another comment from Fethano. Uh, Fethano, I think we need only a 2 nothing win against Sweden because if when we score, yes, that uh, when we score our goal, mm. differential goes up one and theirs goes down one, so every goal is worth two in GD. Yes, Fethano, you're absolutely right. Even though they have a plus four, yes. If we beat them by two, you're correct. Then theirs goes down two, ours goes down, goes up two. You are 100% correct. But again, I'm going to preface by saying I don't see us beating Sweden to nothing. I think we were fortunate to beat Sweden the first time. And I went over this before when we talked about uh, the opportunities they created. 
they got they were two to one, but remember, guys, their XG was higher than ours. They had better opportunities than we did. They did. We had some good ones too. We that I'm not taking this away from us. We had some was... we had some really great opportunities, and we played very well against them. But we the they were I would I would say Sweden was unlucky. I would say that they were unlucky. If we replay that game uh, like 10 times, I would say they probably win it six times out of 10. I'm going to be honest there. So going into this next game against Sweden, it's, it, you know, we need the win, but I'm not confident that we're going to do it. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we can. The way, the way we've been playing doesn't inspire any kind of confidence. It's not like, it's not like we're controlling and dominating and, like it, I didn't expect to win this game right. because I, we, there was no bite I mean, besides Masuda's. Yeah. Like you said, taking rips from 20 yards out, like we, that was pretty much the, and, and crosses being dumped in by the wingers. I, I didn't really see a threatening. We never looked really, really dangerous getting into their box, getting opportunities. And when, that consistently happens across 60, 70 minutes. There's no sub. There's no real substitutions from JBS except for play a less, maybe further up the pitch kind of guy. And then the 80th minute, oh, suddenly there's a problem. There's a problem all game. Yep. And well, we what? did have that nice period of interplay. It was like the 63rd to 65th minute where we did work the ball up. We were working it one twos, passing mm-hmm. one two. People were passing and moving. We went from the left, moved the ball back around to the right. We had a couple of opportunities. This team has the capacity to play attractive and play good, methodic possession. It can mm-hmm. it can do it. We've seen it happen. They have the capacity to do so. But we what we keep seeing is this ugly hopeful like lazy i don't maybe not lazy but just the there's almost no movement like the game against sweden we saw movement you know we were compact we knew that was going to happen but there was purpose they there was purpose we were fighting for every ball with the moves forward there was there was purpose behind all it all of it but we didn't see that today and that this has been the problem with the jvs regime is we don't see it the majority of the time and you, we can't just see it when our asses are on the line. We got a mm. comment here from Nico Leon. If we beat Sweden, anything goes, honestly. Spain, Sweden, Greece, all will have a chance to finish first. And Spain still have to play Sweden, beat Sweden, and there's a chance still. And this is true. This is true as well. You know, we get to that point, right? We get to that point up there where it's us, where, you know, it's us playing against, uh, you know, of course, we have to go up against Spain and Kosovo one more time, and Spain has to play Sweden. They're right. But we still need the result. We still need this result against Sweden for that to be the case. And mm-hmm. we still need, one, you know, hopefully one of, they each drop points in each other, and we finish strong. Like, the next game against Kosovo, even if we beat Sweden, is a must-win game. It's all, mu- they're all must-wins. They're all must-win now. games. We have, we need three wins. We and they're not. They didn't play today. Like, they didn't play today like it was a must win. They celebrated Pakistan's goal like it was a must win. Yep. But you didn't like. That's the thing. We fly, it, Why did it take so long to kind of have that kind of high press that we saw when Zoli won the ball and then yep. swung it to Palkas, who made a very nice move and got the lucky. I mean, he took kind of a big touch, but got lucky. The fact that the deflection popped it over the keeper's head. It was. A, yeah. I mean, it was a great. It was a a deserved finish even though it wasn't the prettiest. Yeah. But why 
why are we, yeah, like you said, why are we playing three center backs and playing conservative against these guys when as soon as we see that, okay, they're not really creating that many op- opportunities, but they're getting, they're mowing through our midfield, they're dribbling through our midfield three guys, why not put a little more beef in the midfield and sacrifice Hudson Diakos, who's kind of just hanging out? Or sacrifice Andrutos if you have to and let Hadzi Diakos play right back. I don't know. I don't know what's going on JVS's head, but we didn't need, especially against a 4 2 3 1 that wasn't really coming at us. We didn't need that many numbers behind the ball. We were getting behind, we were getting our 4 4 2 shape pretty easily throughout that game. They weren't, they weren't getting in behind us. We didn't need to leave so many guys behind. We needed to go at them and show that we had the superior talent and the superior players and impose our will on the game. If we if that was how we played, then this result would have made sense. It wouldn't have been uh oh we wouldn't have had to wait and rely on uh a favorable VAR call. We would we would get the goals, we would get the results, we would probably get Pavlidis in better positions to actually be an, uh, the number 9 that we're all hoping he can become because then if we're winning the ball upfield, there's less legwork to actually get the ball into the final third, get the ball into dangerous positions because we're already up there. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Maybe this was a let's get ready for Sweden game, but every game at this point is do or die. So at a certain point, I would say earlier than the 80th minute, you needs to be you can't you can't keep getting ready for Sweden anymore. Like you got to give Jolis more than 10 minutes to get into a game and get uh get into the flow. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, this game doesn't make me think, oh, we're good to go. Sweden better be afraid. Does it do that for you? I mean, I no. this game didn't make me feel good for Sweden. And I will say this, though. I was thinking about this the whole game, and I said it in uh, our blogger chat, and most people tended to agree with me. If Tiquinho is on this Greek team, I mean, the the Masuras pass across the mouth of goal that Bukalakis and Pavlidis like were, I guess they expected him to shoot it and they didn't run to crash the goal mouth. Tiquinho, if Tiquinho is on this team, he crashes every time and we score that goal probably. I still, I feel like if Tiquinho is on this Greek team, that a lot of our woes change because we have a real forward that goes, that, goes for every opportunity pressures i don't know that was just a thought i had earlier i want to but... say yakumakis would probably do that as well i mean i get leaving him out because i guess he's not playing for celtic right now he's not really getting minutes i don't know if he's injured or not but but like i mean the spain game for example way back the only time we looked like we could do anything against them was when fortunis came on and yakumakis came on and they had to basically do give and goes all the way just to get to the final third. We didn't get into the final third, but we got up to it because they were able to just knock the ball around. But those guys are weapons that obviously Fortunis is injured, but we're just, yeah, we lack that bite. We lack the ideas up in the final third. So yeah, yeah, that would be great if Tequino had a great grandfather, then we'd be (laughs) in much better shape because I mean, he's Brazilian, right? I don't think he has any caps. Uh, Portuguese, Portuguese. I think he's Portuguese captain. Oh, uh, if I'm, if yeah. I could be, I could be wrong. I can, I can double check that though. But uh, yeah, and then Fetano says here we only need to wait five years for Dequino citizenship. Guys, that was tongue in, tongue in cheek. I don't actually that would never <laughs> happen for us. The fact but, that uh, this is now a serious like part of the conversation. How do we get a striker? <laughs> 
just kind of highlights how bad our striker are, or not necessarily our strikers themselves, but our attack, how toothless it's been. Yeah. Like, the, the, we, we don't have time. I mean, qualifiers are now. We've got, what, four games left? Yep. Three games left? Three, that, three games left. We don't have time to, to, to flesh out a new striker option. We got what we got. We got to, JVS has to figure it out now. There's no, there's no time. Then otherwise yeah. we're out. And then, and then what? And then, then what? It. Then we're we going to have another, another beyond underwhelming Nations League campaign that put us in this position. Yep. Well, look, uh, there, there's no, there's no sense, I guess, at this point, crying over spilled milk. It is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. It was like it, like we said, it was an ugly game. But we got the three points. Now we yeah. have to show up on Tuesday um, so that we can do it again. Now, uh, guys, we're kind of coming up towards the end. Uh, and so, Vimo, you know what that means. Before we start moving on, man of the match and coach is grade. Uh, so who's your man of the match today? And what do you give JVS as a grade for the game? Um, I don't know if we have a man of the match. I will say most improved maybe would be Bacasetas. I like him out of the number 10 role. I like him down as a midfielder a lot better because he can't, he can only, it seems like he can only play the way he's facing. So if he's further back and he's kind of drifting a little bit out wide, he's able to receive the ball and then turn sideways instead of do a 180. And it now we're actually seeing him make forward passes, which we just would never see from him at the 10 in the four, two, three, one. So and he scores the PK that kind of seals the deal. So maybe he gets man of the match. I, I like, I mean, Masuras was our biggest threat. Uh, so I don't know. Or maybe Odisea. I feel like he kind of, the, the couple opportunities they did have, he had to turn up. I mean, that free kick was pretty threatening. So I don't know. It just was, it was a pretty lackluster performance. So I don't know who you give the man of the match. And then that just kind of flows right into JVS coaching grade. C plus because we got we got the result we needed. Maybe it was smart kind of planning ahead. Maybe he's saving Zolis for Sweden and saving Valkas or saving our attacking players for Sweden and trying to play it by not playing a high press, not exhausting our guys. But I feel like every time I think of rating JVS, whether it's in friendlies or stuff like that, it's all dependent on what happens in the next game. So if we get a good result against Sweden and we look good against Sweden and we're, we've rotated against Sweden and we're playing the three-five-two with the where it settles into a four-four-two, if we're doing that, but with a, a game of practice under our belt from Georgia, then that C plus gets up moved up to a B or a B plus at that point because he's we got the result and we've set our put ourselves in a good position to give it our all against Sweden, a must-win game, but. If we come out and we crap the bed, for lack of a better expression, against Sweden, then this Georgian game will look like, well, we didn't have any confidence. We didn't have any real momentum. We didn't develop a rhythm that we could then take into the Sweden game. So it depends on what happens on Tuesday. So maybe, but just, I guess, in a bubble, C minus C or C plus, because we, we did get the result, but it didn't look good. 
Yeah, the so for me, I think it's very fair. You can give Bakasset as the man of the match today. Um, I'm going to quote something that Marcial said in our group chat um, uh, about Bakasetas, and he um, he said that you know Bakasetas, the w- this what we're going through right now, the sustainability of it, playing through Bakasetas as a ten, it's not sustainable. But he's not a player that hides. He he took he has confidence. He took shots today. He you know he did what he could, and he he sacked up and he took the penalty and he scored. So I think it's mm-hmm. fair to give him man of the match. He's in great form at club level, and regardless of whether he plays as a ten or not, I mean you know his call up was warranted because of his form at club level. The question's mm-hmm. just always been if he can play as a ten. So I think it's fair to give him man of the match. And my coaching grade for uh, for JVS today, I'm also going to say, look, we got the win. Um, he made the right change. I think he made the right changes later on the halftime change. I don't think was a a very positive change. And as we saw, it didn't really change our game flow. It's not like our gameplay was that much more positive. Um, uh, so, but we got the win. So I I'm right there with you. I'm going to be slightly more lenient than you though, and go B minus. Um, because, uh, the, I think, even though I think his game management was poor, um, he did make a couple of the right changes later on, which he doesn't make them. We don't, we don't get the the results. So I have to be fair in that respect. So I'll give him the B minus. Um, so rounding all that up guys, we did have an announcement for you about tomorrow. So for those that stuck till the end, you are going to hear it. We are going to do a preview for Sweden. Uh, the Sweden game tomorrow, and we have a very special guest joining us. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we are, uh, if you, you might have heard his interview actually earlier on, uh, it is Libyakos legend Per Zetterberg. Per Zetterberg is going to be previewing the Sweden game with us tomorrow. So tune in. Uh, that will be, I believe it's nine o'clock central European time. If I'm, if I, at 2100 Swedish time, which is, I think is central. So that's going to be three o'clock, three o'clock Eastern standard time, 10 o'clock Greek, Greek time or 2200 Greek time. So we are going to be going over, uh, the, the upcoming matchup, this, this cup final of a match. Cause that's what it is. It is a cup final, uh, against Sweden. And, uh, we are going to be talking about the game with Per Zetterberg. We are super excited for it. And we hope you guys are as well. Uh, any final thoughts, Demo, before we round up? Um, I mean, we've been talking about Bacasetas a while. And, like, I think it's worth noting that for as awful as he's been at the number 10, and at times where I'm literally par- pulling my hair out, especially comparing him to Fortunis, it's not Bacasetas that I don't like. It's Bacasetas consistently being played in the 10. And... This game kind of highlighted that. When you pull him out of that position, when you pull him out of a position that he clearly is not built for and not made for, he can contribute. He can be productive. He can be a useful guy or a guy you have you can can be the captain and the leader. So I I guess that it's good that we have that positive step and we'll see what happens. Yeah, in the cup final. Looking forward to listening to tomorrow's episode. Well, thank you everyone for listening, especially if you've made it this far. If you haven't done so already, please, please hit that subscribe and like button. Help us bring this community 
to larger and larger heights so that we can continue to have more and more conversations like this. Uh, and please tune in tomorrow. It is going to be a really fun episode. We're excited. Pear is a great guy uh, and a wonderful student of the game as well. So we're really excited to have his thoughts and what he believes Sweden is going to be bringing to the table. Thank you, everyone. Again, this is Gate 7 International. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you will never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city and our story. Trilos, you say. Stomialo kati magikoh.